We need some joy because we've been talking about money. Come on, if you, go, if you went home this week and you looked at your budget, how many of you know there are very real things that can try to sap your joy? Like, oh man, we need to have some joy when we're talking about money because we need to be strong and resolved in that. And uh, we started a series last week called Super Money. And we said that super money looks like regular money. You might not even know that you have it. It's in disguise, but it has superpowers. And why does it have superpowers? Because we said last week that when God puts things into our lives, and we we all agreed it, we read scripture that said God gives us the ability to produce wealth. He blesses us. Sometimes he blesses us spiritually. Sometimes it's real money. But when God puts things into our lives, they become supernatural because we are supernatural people. And if we regard the things that he puts into our lives, including money, as a supernatural gift from him, we begin to see it differently and it begins to operate differently in our lives. And I know that we need to view money as supernatural because the world's way of handling money doesn't work. Can I get some agreement in here this morning? The world's way of money, if you've ever just gone in the natural and said, okay, I'm just going to do things the way the world tells me to operate in my finances, it doesn't work out. And we need to be aware of what God wants us to do. Because as Christians and non-Christians, it's not just one of us or the other. It's not an us versus them. It's all of us. We all are faced with the question every week, do I have enough money? Has anybody asked themselves that recently? Has anybody had a conversation with your spouse where that question may have come up? Did anybody, that question with your spouse, did it generate an argument? Come on, the the number one reason for divorce in the country continues to be arguments about money. I think it behooves us to understand what God wants us to do with our money and keep those arguments out of our lives. But we're all asking that question, do I have enough money? I actually saw somebody this week, they said, "I've, I've got enough money for the rest of my life. As long as I die on Tuesday. (laughs) We're asking this question, do I have enough money? I saw somebody, they said this, it's on the screen. I'm one step away from being rich. All I need now is money. How many of you are there in your life? Like, oh, I'm, I'm so close to being rich. If I just had money to go with it, it would be great. Those, those are things we're asking these questions. I, I actually heard somebody, they, they told me the secret to getting rich is to borrow money from a pessimist because they never expect it back. So I don't, that's, that's just Pastor Chris cheesy humor. That's not God-inspired truth for your life this morning. But that was what they said, borrow money from a pessimist. They never expects to be paid back. And then uh, speaking of being paid back, Pam and I, we were watching TV yesterday, and we, we saw this news story that literally a guy, was it Michigan? He, he bought a couch at Goodwill. I'm pretty sure it was Michigan, but he bought, he bought a couch at Goodwill and he found $43,000 in the ottoman, in the cushion on the couch. And you know what he did with it? He gave it back. He contacted Goodwill and said, I want to know who donated this couch. Because there were notes in with the money. Like this was for Uncle Joe's truck and this was a payment for this. And, but it was stuffed in the couch. And the guy contacted Goodwill and said, find out who donated this couch. I need to give the money back. And they, they actually, part of the news story was they found the lady, it was her grandfather's couch. And they, when he passed, they had gotten rid of it at Goodwill, and they surprised her. They had her come to the store, and this dude shows up, literally, he's got a box full of cash, 
all banded together. And the lady comes in and he says, I found this in your grandfather's couch. And I just, I knew I needed to give it back to you. And they're, they're interviewing this guy. He literally said, this was part of the interview. He says, I could really use the money, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And that, that challenged me because I'm not sure what I would have done. I'm, I'm watching this news story. I'd be like, Pam, let's go to Goodwill and buy a couch. Like, like, let's see if this works more than once. It's a testimony. God could do it again, right? And I'm thinking, shouldn't we as Christians have the reputation for doing what's right? We, we should be the ones, and they didn't, this guy, I don't even know if he was a Christian or not in this story. He was just motivated by wanting to do the right thing. And I'm like, dear God, please, especially with money, let our lives be known for we do the right thing. Like, what would I have done in that situation? I was challenged by that, and I don't want to follow the world's way of operating because I'm pretty sure the worldly way of operating would have been keep the 43 grand and don't tell anybody. Come on. They, he, he actually, they interviewed a lawyer. The lawyer said that guy was under no obligation to return anything. It was part of the couch that he bought. And I'm like, Jesus, I want to be known for doing what's right. And I know that the world's way of handling money doesn't work. It's bad. And especially one of the things that I found that is, goes along, it is hand in hand with the world's way of operating with money is debt. How many of you have had experience with debt in your life? Yeah, everybody in the room just about. I'm seeing some hands go up. I don't know why, but people are spending at an enormous rate these days. Not only are they spending the money they have, they're spending the money they don't have. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because we've all been there. We've spent money that we didn't have. We shouldn't have spent it. We got in debt. We had to figure out how to get out. And I saw these stats this month. This is as of December 2019. So this is just last month. These are current stats. The average car payment, the average monthly car payment in the United States, who knows what it is? $501. And you're thinking, what are they driving? Like, is it a supercar or something? $501. That's amazing. In fact, they said the average debt owed by households that have auto-related debt is $27,000, just in car debt that they owe. So I don't know what type of cars people are driving, but those are, those are the averages. So if you're sitting in this room and you're thinking, oh, my car payment was only $200, that means somebody's much higher than $500 to make that average come out. And I don't, I don't know why. If... This is just a commercial. This is not regarding debt, but instead of paying the auto company, if you put $500 a month away for 30 years at an, just an average return, you'd have $5.6 million after 30 years. Man, that car company just robbed you of $5 million. But we never think of it that way because we're always, oh, I'm just going to use that debt to get what I want right now. Move, move along, Pastor Chris. Those are, those, we don't want to hear those stats. Uh, here's another one about debt, though. How about student loan debt? Yeah, man, that, I don't know why, but that is a very appealing campaign platform to the younger generation, isn't it? If you elect me, I'm going to wipe out all of your student loan debt. You know why that's so appealing? Because the average household that has any student loan debt has about $46,800 of student loan debt. Wow, can you imagine that? $46,000 that you're paying and paying and paying. Uh, 
And uh, depending on the source that you look at, because I saw a couple different studies of it, the average household that has credit card debt. Uh, if I had a credit card in my pocket, I just had the urge to cut it up right now. The average household that has credit card debt has between $6,800 and $9,000 in credit card debt right now. And if, if you are in that place where you have the average amount of credit card debt, if you pay only the minimum balance to pay off that credit card debt, it will take you 131 months. How many of you know that's a long time to be in debt? And what, what are credit cards? I, I thought about it this week, and I thought credit cards are things that they, they help things that we can't afford cost more. Did you ever think about that for a second? It's, it's something I couldn't afford, so I got a credit card so it would cost me more. That, that $300 TV ended up costing $500 by the time we were done paying for it. Man, you guys are looking at me like, Pastor Chris, you are messing right now. Like, st- talk about Jesus. Talk about something else to this morning. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to help us get our arms around not operating the way the world operates regarding our money. Because that's, that's what the world will encourage you to do. Uh, I, I don't... Students, come on, this is how bad it is. Students that aren't even out of school yet are getting credit card offers. And, and students that haven't been taught, this is how money works. This is how you should handle your finances. This is how to make a budget. They haven't even been taught that stuff. And they've got companies signing them up for thousands of dollars worth of credit cards. And this is not recent. I had a friend when I was in college. Before we graduated from college, he had enough credit card capacity that he could have bought like a $40,000 car with his credit cards. Students are getting enticed with that kind of debt. And I saw this quote. Uh, we, we watch a lot of Dave Ramsey. There's other good godly people out there that give financial wisdom. But Dave Ramsey said this. I was, one of the videos I was watching, he said this about credit cards. He said, credit cards are the cigarettes of the financial world. People still use them even though they're stupid and will kill you. Yeah, I got two laughs and I got a yikes and I got a ugh. It's okay to laugh at that in church and it's okay to say, I'm not. Credit cards will kill you financially. That's what he means by that. They will put you in a hole that you will spend the rest of your life trying to dig out of. And Dave Ramsey really is one of those guys that you want to be angry at him when he says stuff like that, and then you think about it, and you're like, oh, he's totally right. Like, I need to do something with what he just told me. And these, these aren't heaven and hell issues, okay? Please don't feel condemned if you're in this room this morning and you got credit cards in your wallet or you got debt and bills at home to pay. This is, not, this is not that speech to say, oh, didn't you screw up and you should be ashamed of yourself. This is not that at all. I just want us to wrap our arms around how do we get out of this place? How do we do things the way God wants us to do it and not continue to live according to the world's principles? So if you're in this room today, don't feel condemned. Just maybe make a choice right now. I am going to choose to do something different when it comes to money starting today. That's that's a good place. If we get there today, that's all I'm asking. We'll celebrate that. Um, I think part of the problem is instant gratification. Have we ever given in to that? I've got to have Whatever it is, fill in the blank. I need that today. We, <laughs> earlier in our marriage, this time we, we, we had money the last time we bought a new TV, but earlier in our marriage, we just had to have a new TV. Like it was that day. I don't, I don't remember why. why. Why did it have to be that day? The old one was too small or it died. There was a big sale. I don't know. 
This is how crazy it was. We drove to the store, and there was a forecast for an enormous blizzard coming. So we drive to the store, and we pull up into the store parking lot, and snow is coming down in buckets. Talk, I'm, I'm telling you a story about instant gratification. I don't know why I couldn't wait till next week to get the TV. We had to have it that day. Nobody else in here has ever done that. You're just hearing my story, right? We, we pull up. We go in, we buy the TV, we pull our car up to load it in. We're loading it in the car, and the guy loading the car for us says, man, your tire's flat. It was not just a little flat. It was like flat, flat, riding on the rim. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how did that happen? And this is like, stores are closing early because the snow's coming down. It's treacherous, it's horrible. And there in the parking lot of where we bought the TV was an NTB tire battery store so we drive over to the ntb like wiggling through the parking lot because we're riding on a flat tire and the guy says oh you've got like a huge tear in the middle of the tire and all your tires are bald you you need to replace them all it was the most expensive tv we had ever bought Oh my gosh, but thank God that, that the flat tire happened in the store parking lot and we got the new tires because I'm driving home with my new TV in the back and we're going up the hill and we're zigging right around all these people that are sliding off the road and we're on our brand new tires driving home. But we learned a lesson because we paid for that TV and those tires for a long time. Anybody else ever been there? I just had to have it right now. And... Uh, Here's, here's a good example of it on the screen. If you go to that, that cartoon, this is really the definition of instant gratification. I'm going to go buy a coffee. And he changes his mind. No, I can't. We barely have any money for rent. I'll just make some when I get home. But I want it now. I have no idea why that guy looks like me in that cartoon. <laughs> but I know it's not me because it says coffee and not Diet Coke. Because if it said Diet Coke, I would be convicted. Uh, oh, I don't know if I should even tell this story, but I, I guess I will because I'm in deep now. We're, we, Pam and I were out a couple weeks ago. We went to the strip district, and we're, we're walking around. We were going to get a coffee or do something, and it was freezing cold. It was like so cold. We didn't have the right jackets on. We're walking around, and we had just come from lunch somewhere. I drank a little much Diet Coke. Maybe several of... Anyway, I had to go, like, to the bathroom. For those of you that are slow on the uptake of the story I'm trying to tell here, I had to go. Just about that bad. Like, if I would have sneezed, it would have been bad. It could have been all over at that moment. And, and we're walking down, and how many of you know at the Strip District, there's not a lot of public bathrooms around? Like, hey, you're not welcome here. And, and so we finally go and we're walking past. And we're like, just let's just go back to the car. We'll drive somewhere. And we walk past this one restaurant. And I'm like, oh, there's the restroom right in the back of the, the restroom. So I walk in and the lady says, table for two? And I said, no, I just got to go. And she says, well, you have to buy something. So I don't know if that was instant gratification or instant relief. But I paid $2 for a Diet Coke that was about that big just so I could get in and use their bathroom because I couldn't wait. I had to have it right now. So I ended up with a very expensive Diet Coke, which tasted wonderful later, but it was instant relief. 
So thank you, Jesus, for just reminding me of that story and embarrassing me in front of everybody right now. We think instant gratification is a new thing. It's just happened in our society. It's now because we have all this capacity. It happened a long time ago, and it's been going ever since. There were two brothers in the Bible named Jacob and Esau, and, and their dad was Isaac. And they, they were pretty interesting characters because one was kind of a homebody. He was like a mama's boy, and the other one was the hunter-fisher-gatherer guy. And he would go out in the field and do his thing. And Esau, he was the firstborn. He stood in line to get a double portion of his father's inheritance. He had the rights of the first son in the family. And he had been out in the field all day, and he was tired, whether he was hunting, fishing, whatever he was doing. And he came back to where they had their tents, their home, and he sees his brother Jacob cooking dinner. How many of you remember this story? You know Jacob and Esau in the Bible. Uh, You can go look it up later, read the whole story if you want to. But the point of it is Esau came back, and he's like, I need some of that food now. Talk about instant gratification. I want it, and I want it right now. You need to give me some. And Jacob, he was an interesting character. His name actually meant a deceiver. Talk about having a name that you have to live down to when you grow up. Uh, He says, tell you what, I'll give you some of this food if you sell me your birthright. Your, your rights, your privileges to be the firstborn son, to get the double portion, to be the number one guy in the family, you give that to me and I'll give you some stew. Talk about instant gratification and not thinking of the future. Esau says, that's a deal. I'm so hungry. What good's my birthright going to do me if I die of starvation? How many of you know he wasn't going to die of starvation? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure as hungry as I get sometimes, I could go a little while before I eat my next meal. And I'm listening, don't anybody amen that, or I'm going to come find you afterwards. So Esau does the deal. He sells his birthright to Jacob. He eats the stew. And this is, this is what it says in Genesis chapter 25, verse 34. It says, so Esau showed how little he cared about his rights as the firstborn son. Some of you might have a translation that says he despised his birthright. Uh, one translation actually says his actions showed contempt for his birthright. In other words, Esau, by him selling out for that bowl of stew, he's saying the the blessings and the life that I've been promised don't matter to me is what I want right now. doesn't matter as much as what I want to satisfy my flesh right now. And I thought, I, I really, I had a hard time with this verse this week. It could apply to a lot of things in life. There's, there's a lot of lessons we could get out of that, but we're talking about money today, so I wanted to stay there. Uh, Last week we said money comes from God, it's, it's his gift. What if our instant gratification of I have to have that right now no matter what, I'll even go out and rack a bunch of debt up to do it. What if that is despising our birthright? It's the blessings that God wants to pour in our life, the ability to earn wealth, the money he's given us. What if we're acting just like Esau because we have this instant gratification of mindset of I'm going to get that no matter what, even if I have debt to do it. And it got real quiet in here right now. I didn't want to write that down. I I didn't want to say that this morning. I had this talk with God because I haven't always been the wisest steward of his money and using debt in my life. But I knew when I saw that verse, I'm like, oh God, that really does apply to us. And the, the same way that Esau despised what was promised to him as the firstborn 
we have blessings and things that have been promised to us as God's children, and we've exchanged them for instant gratification of our flesh. I want that right now. Oh, tell us some good news, please, Pastor Chris. Here's, here's why we want to get out of debt. The instant gratification thing, the racking up debt. Uh, in Proverbs 22, it says, this is a very famous verse. Proverbs 22, 7 says, Poor people are slaves of the rich. Borrow money, and you are the lender's slave. Debt gives someone else control over us. Just to see if I'm talking to the right people this morning, who is supposed to be the Lord of our lives? That wasn't a trick question. You can actually answer that. This is, this is one of those church moments where Jesus is the right answer. Come on, we, we think all the questions in church are Jesus. I've told that story before. The, the kids in Sunday school, the teacher says, hey, we're teaching Sunday school this morning. Ask the kids, what's brown and furry, lives in a tree and eats nuts? And the little kid says, well, we're in church, so I know the answer's Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. Where's, where's my rimshot guy for the jokes this morning? The point was, the right answer is Jesus. Jesus is supposed to be Lord of our lives, and when we have debt, someone else is telling your money where to go every month. It says in that verse that the borrower is the slave to the lender. Slave means the boss, the owner, somebody gets to tell you what to do, and that is a space that's supposed to be reserved for Jesus in our lives. So we want to get out of debt because debt gives someone control over us. Jesus is supposed to be Lord. Uh, debt allows somebody else to tell our money where to go every month. And, and some of us, some of us are actually terrified that we would hear God say something to us like, I want you to give away $500 this week because I don't have it. Come on, that's a very real thing that debt does to our lives. I, if, if debt is hindering me, from obeying the voice of the Lord, then something is out of whack in my life and I need to set it right. Oh, Jesus. I love talking about money in church because it's so joyful and everybody is with it. Oh, it really, debt gives natural things a say in what happens with our supernatural money that we've been given from God. And we need to get it out of our lives. The, this is the only kind of debt that's promoted by Scripture. Romans 13.8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. When Paul says, Let no debt remain outstanding, he was actually talking about money. He was in the middle of a passage where he wrote to them, Pay your taxes. Oh, why'd you put that in the Bible, Jesus? Like... The government, I hate the government taking my money. I, I'm going to avoid these. I'm going to even illegally avoid my... And Paul says, pay your taxes. Pay people what you owe them. He's actually in the middle of talking about money. And he says, let no debt remain outstanding. We need to be known for loving people, not ripping them off. That is what Christians should be known for. We do the right thing when it comes to money. So how do I get out of debt? That's a good question to answer in church. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good question. <laughs> and I was just thinking, your neighbor's thinking, are you going to help me? Like, <laughs> we, somebody last week, I, I mentioned the phrase, hallelujah, handshake at church. And somebody comes up to me after church and shakes my hand and then looks at their palm and says, 
There's no money here. Oh, you never know what's going to come back on you after you talk about it on a Sunday morning. Uh, I saw this quote this week. Uh, the trick is to stop thinking of it as your money. And uh, that quote takes on a whole new life because the, the person that actually said it was an IRS auditor. <laughs> and they were telling somebody how not to be upset about the government taking their money. He says, the trick of it is to think of it not your money. Uh, how many of you know that's a lie? The government wants you to think it's their money that they've allowed you to own some of it. And that is not true. We get, can we not get so excited in April about, oh, the government gave me a big tax refund. That was your money to start with. They were keeping your money all year long, and then they, they just gave you some of it back. Don't get so excited about that. Change your deductions so you get to keep more of your money during the year. All right. Man, these are great points, Pastor Chris. Uh, if that was an IRS auditor, we'd take a whole different look at it. But there is some truth in realizing that it's not our money. Whose money is it? It is God's money, and He has allowed me to be a steward over it. He has allowed me to manage it for Him. The amount that He's put in my hands and given me control over is because He's permitted me to have it, and I want to be a good steward over the things that He's placed in my life. So getting out of debt, I will tell you up front, is not an overnight process. It takes work, it takes time, it takes a plan, it takes commitment. And, and come on, I've not met anybody in my entire life that never had any debt at any point. Okay, so it's, we are all in the same boat, we are all human. The difference is the people that I've met in my life who were successful wanted to get out of debt as quickly as possible by any means that it took. They didn't want to stay in that place where somebody else was telling them what to do. So just to wrap up in the last few minutes, here's a couple practical tips to help you get out of debt, but we have to commit to it. it can, it's not going to happen. You're here in church on Sunday. Your debt's not going to disappear on Monday. It, it takes time, and it is a process. Uh, the, the first thing I put on the list is repent about believing the world's ways regarding money. How many of you know repent means change your mind? There's something different that happens in your thinking. I have been in agreement with the world's way of doing things, and I need to break that agreement. I'm repenting and saying, Jesus, I want to do things your way. It's, it would be great when you're sitting down to make your budget, whether you're a single person or you have a spouse that's involved with you, when you're sitting down to make your budget, take a moment to pray and invite Jesus. Jesus, please come and be right here in the middle of our finances. God, reveal your priorities. Give us your wisdom. We want you to be seen as first because what we do with our finances reveals what's really most important to us, right? And I would, love, I would love people to be able to look at my finances and say, wow, Jesus is important to them. Generosity, other people are important to them. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now. You, you guys don't even have to be in the room this morning. I could have a mirror right here and be preaching this sermon. But we, sometimes we just need to start with, Jesus, I repent that I've been doing things the world's way and I come into agreement with your way. And uh, the second thing, after we decide that we're going to do things God's way, stop the bleeding. And, and most financial guys will tell you this, the, the best way to do this or to start this is to get rid of your credit cards because that is usually where people get the most caught up in the biggest amount of debt that they're paying and the most interest they're paying for the things that they have. Uh, 
stop the bleeding. It could also mean save money for things. How many of you know this would be a big change in lifestyle for some people? Oh, that spontaneous trip that just came up that I want to take with my friends. I haven't saved any money for it. Well, right there, you've got a choice that you're confronted with. Am I going to do it the world's way? And just, oh, I'll put the trip on the card. I'll pay for it later. I don't know how. Or am I going to say, you know what? Debt being debt free is so important to me that I'm going to put off instant gratification to say I need to save some money. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for good steps to get out of debt. Uh, Here's another one that could be helpful to some of us. Sell the things you don't regularly use. Sell the things you don't regularly use. And no one... No one wants somebody else to make that list for them. If, if, if anybody, anytime Pam says, hey, maybe we could get rid of this, I'm like, I just used that yesterday. How uh, many of you know there really are things in our house that we could get rid of? Okay, I got one absolutely, and everybody else, they're putting their head down. What, what was that TV show where they had, uh, it was some kind of HGTV show where they, they had these people come in to help organize the house. They were going to clean out the house and help them organize it. I can't remember the name of it. Hoarders? Nah, it wasn't Hoarders. Because it was a show that was about, hey, your house is a mess. We, we can organize closets and give furniture to make it all clean up. But the people from HGTV that came into the house, they told the husband and the wife, you each get to put five things on your list that you want to keep. And everything else is up for grabs to go. That show terrifies me. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, everything in the house is important to me, but if I get really honest or if I get desperate enough, if, if the debt is so overwhelming, you know, that list starts to populate pretty quickly. We could get rid of this. We could sell that. We could let out Silas's room for rent while he's away at school. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. If, if your list of stuff is all the stuff that's in your kid's room, bad parents, stop. Like, man, Sasha isn't using those shoes. He, we, could get, we could sell those at a yard sale. <laughs> oh, things are off the rails now. Stop the bleeding. Sell things you don't regularly use. And if you sell things you don't regularly use, put it towards getting out of debt. Or if, if hey, we just had to go to the movies this week or take this trip, maybe sell something that you already have to pay for it instead of putting it on a card. Uh, Here's one more thing, uh, number four on the list. Track what you are spending. You would be amazed and shocked by how many people have no idea where their money goes every month. You you ask them, well, well, hey, this was your income and this is how much you spent this much. Where did it go? And they give you this look like, I don't know. We went to the grocery store a couple times. We went out to eat. But they have no idea where the money actually went. That is the first step to getting your arms around this is an issue for us, is actually sitting down and writing down, here's where our money went last month. And then when I see that, I can make a plan about it. What happens after you track what you're spending, then you can make a budget. Isn't this a wonderful message to hear on Sunday mornings in church? You're you're like, I thought I was going to hear something make me happy about Jesus, and I'm here and make a budget. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. But that really is, if you're in debt and you're making a choice today, I want to get out of debt, 
part of having a plan to do that and a commitment is to say, I'm going to make a budget. And I'm going to sit down. We're going to prioritize. We're going to pray to invite Jesus. And then we're going to prioritize. These are the things that are important to us and where our money should go every month. And we're going to stick to that. When we make a budget, we have to stick to it. You may make your budget and part of your plan may be, we don't have enough income. We have to figure out how to get a, a second part-time job because we made a mess with debt. That that does happen sometimes. It may bring up a great conversation with your spouse about your priorities and what's really important in life. And we will pray earnestly for you before you have that conversation. So don't be afraid of it. But once we do that, those those are good practical steps. I'm, I'm giving you practical stuff this morning. I wish this was some deep spiritual revelation that you'd all walk out of church and be like, oh, I never knew that about God. But this is practical. And debt limits us from doing the things that God wants us to do and being obedient. And we need to choose to get out of debt. So one of the things when you're going through that list, don't be too proud to ask for help. We've, we've all been there at some point. And, and you can... How about this for great advice? If you see somebody that's good with money, go ask them some questions. Talk to them. Hey, what was your secret? How'd you get on the budget? How'd you get started? You might be at a place where you don't even know how to start and you see somebody that's good with money. That could be your first question. What was your first step? How did you take even one step towards getting out of debt and being where you are today? Find somebody that's smarter about it and ask them some questions. Uh, You may need to get somebody else involved for accountability. How many of you have ever had better success at making a plan and sticking to it when somebody else knew about it and was helping to check up on you? How's that going? How's your plan? How's the budget working? What's what's going on with you and your spending right now? Things go a lot better sometimes when we get other people involved. And, And I will encourage you, on the road to getting out of debt, celebrate the little victories. Like, share that with somebody, whether if you're single, find somebody else to tell it to. If you're married, celebrate it with your spouse. But, you know, oh, we had a $75 bill that was hanging out there. Well, pay off 75 bucks and then, like, high five and do a dance with your spouse or something. Just celebrate to say, man, we're making progress. Sometimes we, we, get, we, we forget. We get our head down, we start doing this thing, and we forget there's actually progress being made, and people are excited for us, and they will, we will celebrate with you. I'd, I'd love for somebody to come up to me six months or a year from now and say, hey, when you preached back in January of 2020, I decided that day to get out of debt, and we did it this year. Like, that would be awesome. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate with you. I'll pay for your lunch. I just thought I didn't qualify that with how much the debt was. You're, you're thinking, I only got like 20 bucks in debt. I'll pay it off and get a free lunch from Pastor Chris. I don't care what it was. If you come up to me later this year and you say, man, that, that message made us be resolved to get out of debt and we did it, we are going to celebrate and, and we'll do something exciting. So this is the action item this week. Very spiritual action item for you. Pay extra on a debt this month. And I don't know, you, you can ask God, what, what debt is it? If, if you don't have any financial debt, come on, if you're in this room and you're absolutely free of financial debt, you don't owe anybody anything right now, yay. Like, that is awesome. I would love to hear about it. For you, this action item would be, hey, that verse that we read that said the outstanding debt that we all have is to love each other. 
Find some way to pay forward on that debt this week. Man, I'm going to show somebody I love them this week. But for the rest of us that may have some actual financial debt still hanging over our lives, the action item is this month, pay a little extra on it. It could be, hey, I skipped Starbucks for two days, and I sent that money in. I skipped Starbucks for two days, and I had an extra $100. Is that what coffee costs right now? Man, it is amazing what some stuff costs. Co- a cup of coffee is like $10. and Which coffee? Oh, that could be a dangerous question. You're not going to want to admit you know the answer to this, but I was about to ask, which costs more these days, a cup of coffee or a pack of cigarettes? And some people wonder why they're in debt. Anyway, the action item is, oh, come on. Can I tell you cigarettes are not a heaven and hell issue, but it is a finances issue. It is a health issue. It, it won't keep you out of heaven, but it will get you there quicker. But some people come and they're like, why can't I get ahead with my money? And we see like what you're spending your money on. It's like, oh, this, this should change for the sake of your health and for the sake of everybody around you. So, come on, get back to the notes quick. Pay extra on a debt this month. And it could be little, it could be big. I don't care what it is. Uh, do it. Do it as a declaration to the enemy. Hey, you've tried to keep me hindered with debt, either by tempting me, me making my own decisions, but I'm, I'm putting you on notice that this is all God's money. I am a steward of it for him, and I'm sowing this seed right now towards getting out of debt to declare that I'm, I'm going to do what God wants me to do with my money. Think we could do that? I got at least a couple people nodded at me, so that's good. Uh, let's go ahead and stand, and then we'll pray. I would love to say that I prayed about debt and then I went out to my car after church and there was a check from an anonymous benefactor stuck in my windshield wiper. It's never happened to me. Most of, and I'm not discounting that it could. You, you might get a hallelujah handshake after church from somebody. They may give you a check. But most often, it comes through choosing to take steps, committing to it, and being disciplined enough to say, I'm going to stick with this plan and do it until I see the end of it. So let's pray. <laughs> and it, oh, if you're in this room this morning and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, you're here in church wondering, hey, what's this all about money? I, Jesus doesn't promise for your financial debts to all disappear the moment you start a relationship with him. But what he does do is he'll take the worry and the guilt, the shame, the weight of it off of your shoulders. And anything else you've done, whether you've, you've made bad decisions with finances or you've just been trying to run your own life, and, and he will meet you in that place and say, I, I want to save you from yourself, <laughs> from sin, from the, from the grave, from all these things. But he also saves us from ourselves. How many of you are thankful for that? Like, I see times in my life where Jesus saved me from myself. And if you're in this room and you need to start a relationship with him, I encourage you, come see me afterwards. Come up front. There'll be some people to pray with you. We'd love to introduce you to him. But uh, if you're in this room and you know Jesus already, Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for bringing his presence with you, for worshiping with us, for choosing to pray, and for for listening, even while we're talking about some very real and sometimes difficult issues that affect us all. But it's it's good because God has freedom in mind for us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning. Uh, We thank you for your words that we still hear today. Uh, Lord, sometimes they challenge us, sometimes they offend us, sometimes it makes us upset. But I thank you that it's your truth that you've spoken to us because you want us to be free. It, It really is for freedom that you set us free. 
And God, we honor you this morning. We ask that our lives would be testimonies of your goodness. Uh, Lord, let us be those people that are known for doing what's right. Let us be people that are known for being generous, for helping those in need. Let us, let us be people that are able to help others even. Uh, God, I thank you that we don't have to have our act completely together to be able to tell, share truths and help others around us. And so, Lord, I ask for those kind of opportunities that we would even uh, begin to be able to help others and do things together where we would be able to encourage each other. And, uh, Lord, I thank you that you have blessings for us in any shape, fashion, area of our lives that you want to bring them. Lord, we thank you for the times that, that you've given us ideas and the ability to earn wealth for the natural finances. But we also thank you for the things that you've done in our lives that we can never produce on our own. Your goodness, your peace, your joy that fills our lives because we know you. Lord, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Continue to let your goodness shine upon our lives. Let your presence be seen and felt everywhere that we go. I bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen.